But in Mark chapter 14, and, and the other, some of the other Gospels have it as well, but this one's a more complete version of it, a scribe came to Jesus, and the scribes, they were officials. They weren't necessarily Pharisees or Sadducees, but they were people in positions of authority who had the ability to, to trans, transact legal things, marriages, certificates, divorce certificates, all sorts of things like that. But they also did a lot of writing of the interpretation of scripture. So we've got this one guy, that, one scribe that comes to Jesus and I'd like to believe that he was genuine in his question because the Pharisees and the Sadducees could never agree on everything and they had calculated that there were over 600 commandments in the Old Testament. So this scribe came to Jesus and, and he asked him, which one of the commandments is the most important of all? And I think Jesus' response is the part that we need to take notice of. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And I'm not going to go to the next part of it because Steve's going to deal with that next week. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. But this is important for us to think about. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. That is a pretty comprehensive statement. And the question that I've been asked to try and address is what does that look like to us? Loving God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength is the most important question that we should ask and have the answer straight from Jesus. What does it look like? Well, if I could put it in one word... Jesus. Jesus is the only one that epitomises loving God with your total being. I couldn't pick anybody out here because I might embarrass them, but there's nobody that can carry out all of the commandments completely. And certainly they didn't back there because that's why Jesus emphasised with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind and with all of your strength, that needs to be your focus on loving God. But just think about Jesus for a moment. As a teenager, he grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. Even as a 12-year-old boy, Remember the occasion when they'd gone to Jerusalem for the census and they were on their way back and Jesus wasn't with the parents and when they finally reunited, he said, don't you understand, I need to be about my father's business. At 12 years old, he recognised the need for putting God first in his life. 
Later on, he would say, I came down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. And he would repeat similar statements throughout his ministry. His purpose was never to satisfy or please himself, but to please the one who sent him, to please the one who had left in heaven to be here on earth. And so we need to look at Jesus and his example of how he loved so that we can try to comprehend what he is saying to us. This is not a command about love, but it's a command about the one we are to love. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The whole purpose of God's interaction with man from day one was to have an intimate relationship with his creation. We know the story, how everything went wrong, but God continued to work on that relationship. And part of that is our loving God. Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13 said, Fear or have a healthy respect for God and keep his commandments because this is the whole of man. That's what we're here for, to fear God or to have a a healthy respect for God and to keep his commandments. But we need to have a definition of love. And I know we've, we've heard lots and lots and lots and lots of things about love, but out there we hear lots of things about love as well. And a lot of people have a very wrong interpretation of the love that the Bible calls us to embrace. The word agape does not not mean a, a, a warm, fuzzy feeling. Far from it. As W.E. Vine in his Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words said, love can be known only from the actions it prompts. Love can only be known from by the actions that it prompts. Love for God is not accidental. We can't accidentally fluke it that we will love God without trying. And it's not incidental. It's not just something that we can say, oh, yeah, well, I love God, but and, and just move on with life. Love must be intentional. Love is action. With God, it's all or nothing. If you think about when John gave the book of Revelation and the revelation of the letters to the churches in Asia and the church at Laodicea and and Jesus said, you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, but you're lukewarm And because of that, I will spew you out of my mouth. God doesn't accept second best. And so our love has got to be first. It's got to be the best. It's got to be the thing that motivates every aspect of our life, our love for God. We can't 
compartmentalise our love for God. And by that I mean we can't say, well, I'll love God when I feel like it or I won't if I don't feel like it. I can't pigeonhole my love for God by saying, well, if it interferes with my plans, forget it. My love for God must take precedence over all other things in my life. When it doesn't, I can't say, well, I'll love God when it's, if it's not going to interfere with my work or my pleasure or my lifestyle. Our love for God should define, define our lifestyle, not our lifestyle define how we love God. Our love for God should define our life. Love involves every part of our life, every decision we make, every choice, every action daily. Our love should mirror the love of God. You see, we didn't invent the idea of love. God did. God is love and God demonstrated love to us. As John said in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 verse 8. You see from these passages... There's sacrifice involved, there's intention involved, there's determination involved. So we see what love is from what God did, not we tell God how we'll love or what we think love is. We learn love from God. Love is active not passive. I said before, love is very comprehensive. Four times Jesus said, all, you shall love the God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind and all of your strength. How much more is there that we've got in our being if we take out those four alls, what's left? I think what Jesus is simply saying is that our love for God should cover all of these areas in our life. An exclusive love. The heart, not this thing that ticks away in here, but the heart is the seat of our emotions, the centre of our feeling. And we have feelings for other things in life. We have emotions, but what Jesus is saying is 
God should be at the centre of all of these feelings and emotions and, and things that go on in our life. We love from the heart when we obey God, not because we have to, but because we want to. Because we choose to, believing that is the right thing to do. And we don't do it because we're ticking off the boxes and saying, well, you know, I went to church on Sunday, so I love God. I can go to church every Sunday in my life. I can go to every Bible study, but if my heart and my mind are not in growing and learning and being effective as a child of God, I have to question, am I really loving God with my all? Love for God demands undivided loyalty. Remember Jesus uh, in Matthew 6 and verse 24, he said, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon. He said you will either love one and hate the other, but you can't serve both of them effectively. We can't live our life trying to enjoy everything there is in life without having our first priority focused on serving God. Again, Jesus said we can't serve people or love people or things more than God, otherwise we're not worthy of him. In, in Matthew 10 and verses 37 through 39, he said, you can't love mother or father more than me, you can't love son or daughter more, more than me, or you're not Worthy of me. Now, what does he mean by that? We shouldn't love mums and dads. We shouldn't love brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. No, he's saying that we don't put them as a priority in our life before our commitment to God. The soul. Love the Lord your God with all of your soul. Whilst some uses of this word refer to the eternal part of man. I think in this context, it's more likely that Jesus is simply talking about your entire life. And there are a number of scriptures that Jesus uses to describe giving your life, sacrificing your life, committing your life. In Matthew 6 and verse 25, Be not anxious for your life, what you shall eat or drink or wear and so forth. And the same root word that you get, soul you get life from. Greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. The same root word, soul, life. Matthew 20 and verses 27 and 28, the Son of Man came not to give his life as the Son of Man came, sorry, to give his life a ransom for many. The same word, root, uh, soul and life. So I think, I believe Jesus is saying that we love God with our entire life. Every aspect of our life should be focused on how best we love and serve God. Love the Lord your God with all of your 
mind. Does your mind play a big part in your everyday life? What does it focus on? Work, play, relaxation, the future. We make decisions with our mind all the time. Every day of our life we make decisions. Will I get up and go to work? Will I get up and go and do the mowing? Will I get up and do this or that or whatever? We know how the mind works in our everyday activity but in the centre of that should be but how am I glorifying God with my mind? Am I putting God first in all of these decisions that I make every day or does God get what's left over? And unfortunately I think sometimes we're guilty of that. God gets the leftovers. You can't love God if you're not being educated about God. You can't love God if you're not developing a relationship with God. You can't love God if you don't have a desire to know God more in your life. Paul said in Romans 12 verses 1 and 2, be transformed, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. It's a growing process. We, we don't reach our complete maturity in our loving of God in our mind the day we become a Christian. It's a growing process. It's a changing process. But the more we put God into it, the more it makes everything else fall into place. We must be serious about learning and obeying. Bible study, personal study, assembling with the Christians, doing Christian work. These things we need to be focusing on all the time. So if we're not educated in the word of God, we're not going to be trying to obey God with our mind. And finally, our strength. Love the God, love our Lord God with all of our strength. Action. Love is not passive, love is action. It's expressed in action. In Ephesians 2 and verse 10, Paul said that we are God's workmanship or some translations say we are God's work of art made for good works that we should walk in them. Our strength is what we put into honouring God, loving God, serving God. It's the action part of it. As James said, Christianity is a doing religion. Don't be hearers of the word without being doers of the word. Jesus told the, the story of the, the rich man, I mean the wise man building his house upon the rock and the foolish man building his house upon the sand. It was about being educated and building on that education. It's action that takes place in our lives. James says, don't be deceived. 
be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, James 1, 22 and through to 26. All of our strength is about giving our best. God doesn't want second best, won't accept second best. Remember Jesus talking uh, back in his ministry, he said that uh, if you want to be my disciples, you must do what daily? Take up your cross daily and follow me. Not a weekend religion, not a convenient religion, but a daily way of life, loving God with your all. With your all. Someone has written, and I'm bringing this to an end, we're going to have a shorter than usual, a labourer uses his hands, a craftsman uses his hands and his head, an artist uses his hands, his head and his heart, but a Christian uses his hands, his head, his heart and his life for God. How do we compare with that portrait?